Before we kick this show off, let's hear a word from our sponsors. Under Pressure Outdoors is brought to you in part by Hasmore Outdoor Products. Hasmore Outdoor Products manufactures quality replacement seats for a multitude of climber brands as well as a host of other products built with the hunter in mind. Take it from us. Your butt will thank you, and you'll be able to spend more hours in your stand. Hop over to their website by clicking on the link in the podcast description and order the Tree Stand Trick Out Kit for your stand today, and you'll have everything you need to hunt longer and harder. Make sure you use code UPO15 at checkout to get 15% off your next order. I'm your host, Will Krebs, and this is the Under Pressure Outdoors Podcast. Oh. So, real quick to start this out. Uh, I guess the only event we have left coming up by now is the Swanee. In- no, we got to do the, the oh, duck boxes. Oh, we got boxes. the duck boxes. Duck boxes yep. in February. And we're yep. also supporting Ducks Unlimited. Got the youth hunt on the 11th of February. All kinds of goodies coming up. forgot about those. So in sequential order, when this comes out, all the small game hunts will be over. Um, and then the next one coming up would be the youth hunt. Uh, for Ducks Unlimited. Um, and if you haven't already and you plan on going, you need to get on. Uh, you can find a link on our Under Pressure Outdoors Nation page, <clears throat> as well as, I believe, the actual Under Pressure Outdoor Facebook page to quote-unquote purchase a ticket. It's a free ticket, but it just lets them know how many people are going to be there. So we can make sure that every youth that shows up gets a... Uh, what are they getting, Jim? A, a, a call, some... A backpack. More than that. So each youth hunter will get a box of decoys. They'll get, obviously, the backpack, face paint, lanyard, duck call, lunch, and depending on what other goodies get donated, there may be more. So uh, it ought to be a great time. There'll also be opportunity. Right now, there's, well, by the time this podcast, I think it'll still be open. You also have an opportunity for $50 to... Enter into a three-gun raffle where you actually win all three guns. There's a Winchester Super X pump, which is supposed to be the fastest pump shotgun on the planet. There's a really sweet Acrius 410 over-under. And then a Senec 9mm. So for 50 bucks, if your ticket gets drawn, you got yourself a whole bunch of stuff to add to the gun cabinet. How does one, That's for the adults, though. How does one advertise... The fastest pump action. You're a company named Winchester. You have a lot of money, and you say you have the fastest <laughs> pump action. <laughs> Prove me wrong. Yeah, it's up to you. Buy, buy it and show me you got a faster one. Yeah. <laughs> but I'll bet it is a pretty badass little pump shotgun. That did for knuckle chuckers. Yeah. 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 <clears throat> and then after the uh, the youth hunt comes the wood duck boxes. boxes. Yeah. We have. <clears throat> Just one event scheduled for that right now, correct? Yeah, we got like an official knockout date, but I'm really hoping that we'll do our scouting ahead of time and we will adequately supply people because it's pretty. 
so far it seems pretty well there seems to be a lot of enthusiasm to come out and do it several guys talking about bringing boats and crews so if we do our homework and we can just put people on the x say put your duck box here and give them a you know post drivers and some extra hardware in case they drop it in the mud man it'd be nice to knock out all 57 remaining well i guess we're going to send some to piney woods be nice to put 50 or so duck boxes up in a day I want to take 10 out there to, to Piney Woods Hunt Lodge. 47 boxes then. Yeah. <clears throat> and it, uh, I mean, we make, and 10 is, is just a, a rough number. We may go up there with 10 and come back with four, or we may go up there with 10, put six on Piney Woods, and then four somewhere else where he knows that somebody wants wood duck. Because I know that Zach had mentioned wants a wood duck box on his pond as well. So nice. Well, Deidre Brown, who's a, an activist in the area, uh, obviously a lady hunter. Um, really after it too she's got she got permission from her hoa to put one up in a pond near where she lives and as she's videoing saying hey i'm gonna put a duck bucks up bucks out the duck box up in the background you hear the, the flight call you know that yeah yeah, yeah. i'm like <laughs> she's like oh there you go yeah. perfect i was like i guess you got a good spot yeah so <laughs> that's good stuff and then after the wood duck boxes get through in february then in March is the Ducks Unlimited Banquet, uh, which you can still buy tickets through us. Uh, and then when we get enough tickets to fill a table, we'll set you, you buy an individual ticket through Under Pressure Outdoors. Then we set you at a table once it's full with other cool members, kids. Yeah, of the Under Pressure Outdoors Nation that bought them through us. <clears throat> so you're guaranteed to sit by somebody you have some sort of quasi relationship to, whether you know them or not, but you share a, what's, what's the word I'm looking for? Some mm. type of mutual bond. Yeah. Yeah. Esprit de corps. Yeah. There you go. There you go. Um, with those people, so you get to sit with those with, with people you kind of know. Maybe you've seen them pop up on Facebook before or something like that, not just a complete and total stranger. Well, yeah. being that there's going to be a bottomless cup, you you're going to you be sitting at, you're going to be sitting at the rowdy table. <laughs> yeah. Uh, knowing these guys, <laughs> you are going to be at the rowdy table. No one's going to be a stranger. Yeah, by, <laughs> by the end, yeah. <laughs> and then then comes the Swanee River fishing expedition. 3 and 5 day. Yep. 5 day, 50 miles or 3 days and 30 miles. May 3rd to the 7th. Wow, you remembered the dates. Yeah, yep. you told me five times on the last one. <laughs> oh, and the DU dinner is actually April 21st. It's Friday April night. April 21st. Friday Sorry. night, so no excuses not to be there. You can have pizza with the family on Saturday to cure the hangover. There you go. I'm your host, Will Krebs. I got Jordan in here with me tonight. I'm here. Let's get it. Jim. Yes, sir. And Easton. What's going on? And then we're joined by Caden. Uh, Stearns. Stearns. And uh, he was fortunate enough to spend a whole lot more time hunting, probably about about the amount of time hunting that we wish we could spend hunting <laughs> on the uh, tethered tagged out tour. What's up, guys? How y'all doing? Oh man, I'm ready to hear about this tour. I I've, I've got some serious questions for it. <laughs> We've watched I'm all of the videos try- all over again. <laughs> I'm not find to answer them all but i'll try my best <laughs> yeah that's what i told easton i said i wonder how many questions he's allowed to answer <laughs> so well, i guess we'll, go ahead as i guess we'll find out yeah, yeah. <laughs> go ahead and tell us exactly what the tagged out tour was for the people that don't so, know basically the tagged out tour was uh five guys that that only two of us knew each other which is me and me and uh, josh which was from florida 
uh, we all got thrown on a bus together for a hundred days on a hunting tour. And, um, we had different positions. So we would start off like in Nebraska. We had two hunters. We, we shot, we did a little challenge for that. And, um, we had two hundred, two camera guys and, uh, pretty much, a, well, to say it nicely, a camp host. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, at the state, we would switch, rotate out, uh, hunter, hunter one would become cameraman one and so on. So, it was a uh, it was a blast. We had a, a really good time, and we were we were lucky to be some of the few chosen to do that. So, how did you get chosen for that? All right, so pretty much I fell into it. Um, I was super unqualified, but for some reason they picked me. Uh, and I think it was March or so of 2021. Uh, Tether put an application out for interns on their uh, Facebook and social media, and I, I put in there, and uh, I got their internship in 2021. And um, that's when Greg and Ernie, all the tethered guys, were talking about putting some young guys on tour. And me and Spoonie just happened to be two young guys that didn't have any, we didn't have college or anything like that. So that's pretty much how I fell into it, was through the internship. Well, you got lucky. That's a hell of an internship. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> I'd say most people who take on an internship wouldn't really want to do it during hunting season. But if I was going to get that one, uh, that'd be the one oh, I would yeah. want. Yeah. Next yeah. time somebody asks me about how he got into the podcast, I'm like, we were super unqualified. Just kind of fell into it. <laughs> <laughs> so, how many states did you guys cover in the Tag Dot Tour? Uh, I, I, I haven't counted it. I think it's nine. nine. Last time I counted, we, we went to Nebraska, and we started in Nebraska and kind of went back towards Georgia, through Kentucky, and then back to Kentucky again. And Head north from there, and then right back around to Missouri and Mississippi to end with. That's quite a few. Yeah, I told I, <clears throat> me and Ethan talked about it the other day. I was like, I was a little confused on how they made it from their their next their next stop was Kentucky, and then when it popped up in the video, it's like Georgia. I'm like, they must have went out of their way to go to Georgia. <laughs> yeah, yes, we did. <laughs> it was a Georgia was a fun hunt, but when they were like, I was expecting something else. When they said Georgia, I was like, oh, it's going to be hot and suck. Usually does. Yeah. <laughs> what region of Georgia were you when you guys hunted there? Uh, we were south, southwest of Atlanta. Southwest of Atlanta, so like northwest Georgia then. Well, probably north middle Georgia. Um, yeah. Savannah is southwest of Atlanta. No, it's southeast, southeast of Atlanta. Yeah, Savannah southeast. Oh, man. If you were southwest of Atlanta, you were in like um, – Oh man, what's that county up there? That's just fantastic. Uh, starts with a C. I keep on saying Catawba. No, it's a uh, Cohutta County. Were you in Cohutta? That's like uh, that's you, God's look, gift to Georgia. You you can you tell me where you're at, and I'll I'll I got a little sound for that, and I'll cut over it before it goes out. <laughs> I can't remember where. Like I, we went to some places. I cannot remember like the towns we were in or anything we were close to because it was. Every week it changed. Um, if I look up, I can tell you. All that mattered was you were in the good spot. Yeah. <laughs> we were, according to some people, maybe, but it didn't seem like it. <laughs> Georgia is, I'd say if you hunt Georgia a lot, you come to realize that Georgia is not necessarily an easy place to hunt when you've hunted other places that make it seem easier, especially depending on where you are in Georgia. I mean, we grew up hunting 
in southwest Georgia. And by southwest Georgia, I mean Tifton, Blakely, like far south, four or five hours from central Florida. And then I was fortunate enough to spend a few years hunting in Kentucky and Tennessee. And I thought that, you know, as a kid, having hardly ever seen deer in Florida go to Georgia, that was a land of milk and honey. You know, they got a 12 deer limit, man. Whoo, buddy, it's going to, you know, (laughs) getting hot. And then I go to where I was hunting in in central Tennessee and they had a, I guess, technically two bucks. And I had to look at how many days their season was long where I was at, but you could kill two does a day with no limit on the season. That's a lot of deer. I mean, I'd sat there where I was at in Tennessee and Kentucky and watched more deer in one hunt than I had seen in an entire season when I was younger. And to me, that just blew my mind. I mean, you hear stories about people, well, you know, we were sitting there and I saw 37 deer today. I'm like, 37 deer? How do you go see 30, 37 deer and come back to camp empty-handed? And then you yeah, realize. Really? <laughs> Say what? I said, yeah, really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I think one of the things I love the most about this tour is that, like, you watch a lot. If anybody who watches hunting shows, these people are out here, like, acting like all they smoke is booners. Yeah. But y'all are out here on this tour smoking does. And I'm like, yes. My man. I love it. Perfect. For 100 days. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, y'all shot, what, like, probably a total of four or five deer? I, I think it was three. I think it's two bucks and one doe. Yeah, yeah, because what uh, Cole shot that fifteen point. Good lord! Yeah, and yeah, then, he shot a fifteen point in Nebraska, and then uh, Dallas killed a doe in Georgia, and then uh, well, Spoonie killed Spoonie killed a doe in Michigan, and Gracie killed a doe. I mean, a buck in Michigan. Yeah, so it was four times. Yeah. So now tell me, across all the places you hunted. Was it shocking to you the body size of the deer? How much that changed? The body size of young bucks and does was very surprising. But like where I hunt in Mississippi, we have some really big body deer. Like they're they would compete with some northern deer. So the only thing that surprised me was like the young bucks on a little bitty six point walk out, and he's weighing two hundred something pounds. I was like, dang. Yeah, <laughs> it surprised us too. I start screaming, "Hey, big buck, big buck!" And he walk out. I'm like, "Oh man, never mind." It's a spike. It's a spike. Everybody, look out! I love too that like <clears throat> that there there's no trying to hide on on the tagged out tour that hunters aren't perfect, right? Because there were there were what two deer that were shot that were never found. Yes, and that's just yeah, something. Have, that's just something yeah. that happens in real life that we deal with as hunters. Yeah, oh, yeah. We we didn't want to we didn't want to hide anything. Um, I know we had several misses and and uh, a few hits we, we couldn't find, which which we hated, and it sucks. But I mean, it's hunting, and we're we're all young guys. We're all still learning. So, well, yeah. that was Dallas's and um, Cole. No, the other uh, Cole what, shot the one on the neck. What's the fellow from Texas? Uh, Grayson. Grayson. They Dallas and Grayson both killed their first deer with a bow on that tour, didn't they? Yes, they did. And yep. that was awesome to be a part of. That's something else. It's always a good feeling. So I take it you guys were probably saddle hunting. Yes. yes. <laughs> Sponsored by Tethered. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 
my lone wolf, and they said that they'd kick me off. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, have, you had so I t- you had saddle hunted before, previous to this. Yeah. yeah, I've been saddle hunting since 2018. Okay. So, funny story. Uh, it was Nebraska, and we had been scouting for a few days. And uh, Cole comes to me and he's like, hey, uh, can you show me, like, some ropes on the saddle? And I was like, in my mind, I was thinking, okay, he wants me to show him some tips, maybe some tricks, you know. And uh, he walks over to his bag and pulls out his saddle that's still all in pieces, has nothing together on it. And then he pulls out his platform, and it's still in pieces, too. Like, he has never touched it. <laughs> never hunted out of the saddle. <laughs> I feel like that's that's some stuff that happened with me and Easton. We'd get to the woods and I'd be like, "Hey, you mind uh, showing me how to how to do this?" And he's like, "You mean how to put it on the tree?" I'm like, "No, how to how put it together? Put, how to just put thing. it on my body?" Yeah. 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 <laughs> it is a learning curve. I just bought mine last yeah. year, and it is a learning curve. Knowing you, you it's would be the one to yeah. last minute the crap out of that. Yeah. But yeah, it's definitely a learning curve, and and he he was doing that literally like the hour before he was going hunting. Well, it worked out because he killed that big buck yeah. in Nebraska. Yep, it worked out for him. So so you uh you said you got into saddle hunting in two thousand eighteen, and yes, two thousand eighteen. I was well, I was I was still at Campbell part of that year, but saddle hunting. Let's see, name. Name who's who's in who's with Tethered? You you said their names earlier. Uh, Greg Godfrey. Greg Ernie Godfrey Powell. was still at Fort Stewart because I was at Fort Stewart. Um, I know yeah. who he is. I've never met him in person, but I know people who worked with him. Okay. Um, and I remember seeing his videos all over the dang place on the Fort Stewart Hunters Network, hunting out of the saddle. I don't remember when saddle started making a comeback because they're not new. They've been around as long as the tree stand has. Uh, yeah, they've been around for a while. But as well as long as the climber has for the most part. But I want to say they made a comeback. Eh, it might have been. It was about 2018, right? 2017? No, nah, I think it was about 16, 15 or 16 before that. And then they started like really catching on again around the 17, 18 mark. Yeah. Um, and man, they've gone off like wildfire. Well, if you've hunted out of one, it's... It's it's nice. I haven't. I've sat in a couple, <laughs> and uh, I just haven't made the commitment to to buy one yet. It is a commitment. They are pricey, but they're an investment. They are. Well, I mean, you and I talked about it before. It's, it's getting into saddle hunting is like a lot like getting into bow hunting. It's uh, the initial investment can be fairly expensive, but once you have everything, you can then go change out your saddle and still use the same sticks or change out your sticks and still use the same saddle. Yeah. A lot like buying a quality, buying a bow, you can buy different arrows or you can buy a different sight or you can buy a different rest or a different release. You don't have to go buy everything new yeah. all over again every time. Now, Caden, whenever y'all started the tagged out tour, did I saw on the first, I think it was the first video, they, they gave y'all a whole bunch of stuff to start out with, right? Yep. What kind yeah, of... They gave us a... a- Ton of stuff. Ton of stuff. And y'all got what? New bows and, of course, tethered yeah, saddles that, and everything? Yeah, we got the tethered, pretty much a full tethered setup, uh, sticks and saddle, which some of us already had. And then um, we Matthews sponsored us and gave us bows. And then we got crispy boots. 
Every listener under 30 is on their phone right now Googling <laughs> H-U-N-T-I-N-G-I-N-T-E-R-N-S-H-I-P. Hunting internship. Yep. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Shoot, just a crispy, dang crispy boots are worth it. Good Lord, those things are expensive. Yeah. Are they worth, are, I mean, I know you didn't pay anything for them, but are they worth the money? I would buy, I was about to buy them and they told us that we were going to get them. So uh, I love those things. I am so rough on boots. Like I've, I've gone through like a pair of Danner boots. I thought that those were like super good quality boots. I run those through the ground. Um, usually every deer season I'll go through two pairs of boots and then turkey season I'll go through a pair and I'll just make them last. But uh, those those Krispies have lasted the 100-day hunting tour and uh, they're still going right now. So what, I mean, if you don't mind me asking, what crispy boots do you have? I've got the Thor GTX 2s, I think, is what they're called. Now everybody's looking them up. Yeah. yeah. I happen to be in the market for a set of boots, but unlike this gentleman <laughs> who gets two boot, two pair of boots a season, I hunt a lot. Three with turkey season. But, well, yeah. y'all have seen, like, I wear a pair of boots till it falls off, man. Like, right. I mean, <laughs> I literally, I literally had a sole of a pair of my boots come off while I was dragging a deer. And then I had to, I tried to tie it back on with 550 cord and that didn't work. So I just walked without a sole on the bottom of my left foot. I, I lost my last sole hunting with Sid hunting for snipe, man. I was walking <laughs> in stockings at the end, man. <laughs> and I, I think I still had another half mile to go dragging that deer out. And I was like, you know what? Screw it, man. Wet foot's what I got to do. But I still had like that little soft liner that's underneath your foot, you know, that's between your foot and or the, the bottom of the, like the bottom of the shoe that's not the sole and then the insole. But. I don't know. Those were Rocky boots. That's back when Rocky made decent boots. I had those for years. I meant to ask, too. <clears throat> I noticed that every single one of y'all was wearing, almost everybody, had a pretty sick uh, first light setup. Did y'all just happen to kind of get in cohorts there and everybody have first light? Or? I I had first light beforehand. Uh, I actually got in with them on, when I was on the internship. And then through the tagged out tour we kind of got some uh, a little bit of a deal with them that's awesome so, so every, i think everybody ended up ordering first sight while we were on tour and except for i think except for cole but everybody got a, a sponsor like a little not a little sponsorship but like a, a little uh discount with them nice it's pretty awesome a little that bit goes out. a long way yeah. yes it does <laughs> yeah especially when you're talking about buying you know a 300 jacket not that there's anything wrong with that like you're looking at the crispy boots up here on the screen and they're yeah 400 starting at 400 but <clears throat> that's one of those things where you spend the money and it lasts you a while versus a pair of danners will run you 180 bucks like you're talking about and they're not bad boots i'll say i still i run a no, pair of danners no, right now i love my danners yeah i don't know i've been rolling first light for a while now and by and large most of their stuff's pretty damn good they're rain gear Man, their rain gear is fantastic. As is their their undies. When I their base layers. When I finally broke down and bought a good pair of rain gear, is when I realized that oh yeah, rain gear can actually keep you dry. Yeah, <laughs> it's kind of what it's made for. Isn't it? Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, you everybody's everybody's going to Walmart and bond like oh, I need this rain gear. You buy it, you take it out there. You get like the PVC rain gear. Then you get damp. You put, yeah. yeah, well, I mean, yeah, you sweat like no other underneath it. But the thing, too, is eventually it's like you get that material where, like, you, when you're looking up at, like, the rain fly of a tent, you're like, oh, yeah, it's holding rain off. And you touch it, and then it starts pouring through right where you touch the material on yeah. it. That, that, it's just garbage. And then, I mean, I, I would say that rain gear that keeps you dry is not rain gear that's quiet. 
No. And rain gear that's quiet is not rain gear that keeps you dry. So I think when it's pouring rain, I'm not overly concerned with how quiet I'm being while I'm wearing the rain gear. It's like wearing saran wrap. Yeah, but it keeps me dry. I mean, I, I, the rain gear I've got now, I slept overnight in the rain in the boat during first phase of duck season last year, the 21-22 season, and woke up perfectly dry. Can't beat that. Yeah, so man. Fi- finding rain gear you can spend all day in, even bushwhack in. Here, we're doing a first light commercial now. And actually be comfortable. <laughs> it, I mean, that... I, that's why I was like, man, the rain gear. If, the, if they had some good stuff, but I thought the rain gear, if they could pick one item, it's the best stuff they make. So pay a fortune. I take it beforehand, you had probably done uh, a fair amount of public land hunting on your own, correct? Y- yes, I've been hunting public in Mississippi for uh, a, a little while now, since I was about fifteen or so. Okay, so and and we've done a fair amount this year. Most of our lives where we grew up, it was just easy. Our dad always had a lease in South Georgia. So we would go to South Georgia and hunt a lease. And then, uh, William, when he was stationed in Fort Campbell, did a crap load of public land. And that's all he did was hunt public land. And, uh, I've hunted some, we live just South of the Ocala national forest, which is may not be exact on this, but it's like 66,000 acres of public land. So it's close to that. Yeah. It's in the fifties, but you're close. So I on and off hunted out there, but this year we strictly hunted public land and we did some traveling to hunt this year too. And, uh, I just, that's the whole, another cool thing about the tagged out tour to me is it's so crazy traveling to a state where you've never been there before. And then you're putting boots on the ground and you're automatically having to figure out how the deer move there you know, the lay of the land, everything, and try to harvest deer all at the same time. So what were you guys doing pre-scouting these areas? Obviously, you're probably not getting a lot of time to actually put boots on the ground. What what did that look like? So usually we didn't know which state we were going to until we were in the bus and heading towards that spot. So as far as map scouting, like on the road between states, which is just a few hours, we were just scouring the maps and trying to find anything that like narrowed down where we should be at and uh, checking weather, obviously. And uh, as soon as we got to the state, we were driving around the, usually we drove like right through where we were going to be hunting with the bus and we'd kind of check it out there. And then as soon as we could, we'd get boots on the ground and just start tearing places apart. We did a so, so much walking on this tour, which is what you got to do when you're hunting public land. You got to tear through everything that every other hunter around has been through. So, it was, it was fun. It was interesting getting to learn all these other states and habitats. And y'all spent what a week in each state hunting? It was roughly a week. Some of them were five days. Some of them were uh, right at nine days. But mostly it was right at a week. So how long did you spend just scouting before you ever decide to set up and hunt? That that would depend on the hunter. Um, usually, I would like to spend two to three days scouting, or even I would scout the first two two days for sure i would scout and then i would either hunt a morning or hunt the evening and scout the rest of the days um but some i mean when we were in michigan uh we hunted some private land so we jumped right into hunting it would just depend on who was who was the hunter so with with the private land in these places where you went how were you able 
I mean, I know it sounded like sometimes y'all met people at a diner or you just ran into people. Insane. See, in Nebraska, we were uh, actually checking out a piece of public and I saw a farmer and he was, uh, he was down in his cornfield. They just cut it, which is why we were there checking out the, uh, the public. And uh, it's like, Hey, Dallas and Cole, why don't you go talk to that guy? See if he, you know, has any land or knows anybody or anything. So me and Grayson tear off into the woods, scouting this piece of public, and we come back out, and they're sitting there still talking to this guy. It's probably been 40 minutes. And uh, he, he was the guy that ended up letting Cole and uh, Grayson hunt that property in Nebraska. And then, I mean, every other state we were going to, if we met anybody, we were asking them. Um, and they were so nice. Everybody around the country, like we told them what we were doing, and they everybody would usually say, well, 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 hold on, let's let me call this person or let me reach out to this guy. He may let y'all. Um, I mean, I know Georgia, we got access kind of like that. Um, and then there were several other states we got permission to, to go hunt private. I mean, people were also reaching out through Instagram and saying, hey, if y'all come this way, just let us know and we'll, we'll hook you up on private. That's just proof all the mean people are on Facebook. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> every time you see somebody post something looking for private land somewhere it's just all up in arms especially when it's somebody from out of state posting in an in-state facebook page uh, talking about how out-of-state hunters are the ones that ruin it for everybody oh yeah but I see that a ton i i love it i'll i'll keep doing it uh but that's that's really interesting i mean you think like we went up to we're up in tennessee couple years ago sitting there talking to ran into that dude at the gas station yeah. didn't get private land out of it but come to find out he, there was a piece of private land that i hunted in that i used to hunt in tennessee when i when i lived up there and he was kin to the guy that what had that owned the property but it died and he lived two houses down or something like that i was like man everybody knows everybody mm-hmm. when it comes to small town america yes it does well that's kind of like how we met easton yeah, yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. <laughs> Small town America. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> Used to hunt right next to where Easton grew up. Never knew it. Not until we're yeah. all adults. Literally hunted the property next door to his mom's house. Yeah. <laughs> Shot deer across the line. I already know it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you did? <laughs> Maybe it was both ways, you know? It just depends. <laughs> Had feeders out there. I seen, I seen them over there. Just steer clear of the trail cameras. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot what I was going to ask. Jordan, you got a stack of questions, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I know I got one that me and Ethan have discussed 15 yes. times that we have to have an answer to. All right. All right. After the ice cream eating contest, how terrible was it to hunt? <laughs> <laughs> it was so bad. Uh, I, I want to say after the – one of those days Cole got set. I want to say it was the ice cream day. Me and Cole went out scouting. I wanted to go scout a spot, and he, he sat in the car. Because he could not go out. <laughs> the reason why we asked that question is because while we were watching the videos, we saw the ice cream eating challenge. And um, I think it was, was it Jim Riser? That's his yes. name? Yes. He, he spoke around the little camp there and said that the hunting was going to be terrible th- that afternoon. Yeah. But then the then the whole show ended right there and it went on to the next episode. And we were like, it must have been really bad if they didn't post oh, any hunting was, after that. It was bad. Yes. It was, <laughs> I mean, the Cole was my camera guy and he, he did not go with me. Um, I just went out scouting, but still, he was, I was going to go hunting. And he said, uh, he was like, I looked over and he looked so sick. Now, I didn't feel good either, but I was like, I still want to go scouting. I only got a few days here. 
I was like, you just sit in the car and get to feeling better for tomorrow. And um, I, I want to say Spoonie almost threw up several times. It was it was bad. You inhaled what, 2.2 pounds of ice cream? Yep, 2.2 pounds of ice cream. In five minutes. Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was miserable. Oh, oh so tell me, tell me how, how this. How many gallons is that? That's uh, 4.4 pounds. I think it was one gallon of ice cream. So half half a gallon. Yeah, it was too much. I can say that. I can do that. <laughs> In five minutes? Well, the thing is. Chocolate cherish passion? I yeah, like, I can do that. I love I love ice cream. And I was like, I got this challenge. Like, I, I, I love ice cream more than any other treat. And I was like, I, okay, I got this. And you start eating it, and then your tongue and your whole mouth, because you're trying to eat it fast, your tongue and your whole mouth gets numb. You can't feel anything. So you're just shoving ice cream in your throat. <laughs> <laughs> then you get a brain freeze. Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> but you ain't got time to stop, because you got to win. Yeah, you got to keep going. got to keep going. So what was the... <clears throat> What was the traveling the traveling situation like? You guys were on a bus, right? Yeah. So usually we had we had one we had a bus driver, and then we usually had two guys on the bus, and uh, either one guy and a truck lead behind us. But I think we picked up another truck. I think in Kentucky when we were coming back through Kentucky, we picked up a second truck. So it just depended. There was always a bus driver, and then one guy on the bus, and then whoever else wanted to get in the trucks or whatever. And see, that's what I was curious about because I know you you had the bus, uh, but you kept re- you keep referencing like driving the car around uh, or somebody being in the car. Yeah, they had two vehicles yeah. that they would scout from. Yeah, yeah, we we started with one vehicle, and we quickly found out that between the camp host needing to go get internet and us needing to split ways and go hunt in two different spots, that so we were going to need two vehicles. Yeah, that'll do. So it. we had two trail vehicles and a bus. So were you guys sleeping on the bus? Yes. We were sleeping in the bus, or we had we all had hammocks and tents if we wanted to do that. We did that a couple of nights, but um, mostly in the bus. What, what kind of bus? What kind of bus are we talking? It's it was a it was a nineteen eighties uh, party bus. Is what we got it from a guy in Atlanta actually, or they got it from a guy in Atlanta, and it was a Talladega party bus. Hell yeah! <laughs> no, <laughs> <laughs> smelled like a Bob Marley concert. <laughs> oh, it it was rough, and we did not want to turn on the black light in that thing. Oh, I, uh, <laughs> yeah. no, no, I, I normally uh, try to keep this PG thirteen, but there it was at one point um, on the episode where it was said that the bus smelled like a bag of smashed assholes. Yes, that was. <laughs> but it was, was bleeped out times. It only made the video one time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's that's pretty rough. We we that I don't know man that that bus got to be cool though. We tossed around the idea of getting trying to find a if we could find like one of the four wheel drive Econo line short buses. Oh yeah, yeah. The, the like Dooley. Sam Soholtz. Yeah, yeah. yeah but, that's the kid that has stacks and everything on it. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I do stacks, but definitely, definitely a little bit of a lift kit and some a little straight axle and bigger <laughs> tires, four wheel drive. Yeah. It was called the the bus was called the Struggle Bus, right? Yes, it had it. It had it plastered on the front of it. It kept breaking down along the way. Oh yes, every stop it broke down in some sort of way. Either the battery would die, or it would run super low on oil, or and even in Wisconsin it died. So yeah, in the vortex parking lot and just shut down. Yep. 
<laughs> yeah, we, we we drove the bus there and uh we we were in there doing a little tour and we we came out and we were like hey we're, we're gonna drive the bus up front and, and get a video of that and they're like okay and we walked back out there and the bus will not crank <laughs> it would not it it would it barely turned over once or twice and then it was just done mm. and there she sits yep I, the last time i saw her she was sitting right there in that parking lot <laughs> <laughs> It's a good decoration for Vortex. The tag up to her paperweight. Yeah. Yeah, they, they can open it up and, I guess, have tours. They probably have people coming in and they're paying. I mean, people are paying to come look at it. Let it air yeah. out a little bit first. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they bet think that smell came from y'all. They, they probably did, though. <laughs> so, who was who the worst roommate? Oh, well. That's right. <laughs> Back that tagged out tour bus right over him. <laughs> if Let's it would start. See. Okay. Well, I'll say Dallas and Grayson were my favorite. And and it would be uh, Josh and uh, Cole were least favorite. Mainly because Cole was the worst about getting up early in the morning and going hunting. Or like. If we did get up early, because I, I get up super early to go in the woods. Like, I'm up at 3 or, or earlier to go. And um, he would be asleep at the bottom of a tree. Like, midday, we would climb down. And he would climb down first, and he'd be asleep at the bottom of the tree. My man. And then we, Yeah, and when we'd get set up in the evening, he'd be asleep, too. So, I I remember uh, where we at. We were in Missouri. And I had my pull rope. Like, I was dropping it on his face to get him to wake up. Because he, he was asleep at the bottom of the tree. And it's like getting closer to prime time. And I'm like, come on, dude, get up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. We could go down a hole. Who is the stinkiest roommate? Who snored the most? <laughs> you know somebody in there sawed logs so bad that everybody hated it. You know what's funny is what you couldn't see is as you're naming these people off, we're sitting here in the studio pointing fingers at each other. Yep. Is, 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 <laughs> who's William's the one, one that will nap midday. Mm-hmm. I'm the one that is a pain in the ass to wake up. Easton's the one that gets up at two o'clock in the morning yep. and he's sitting in his truck at three thirty at the spot. You gotta beat everybody to the woods. Yeah. yeah that's he's, the way I am. <laughs> if you're not there first, you're not hunting. Yeah. He's also the one that's most disappointed about the fact that McDonald's wasn't open twenty four hours anymore after COVID came through and he had planned on getting a sausage biscuit and everything else and Listen, I was hungry that morning. Okay, <laughs> brother, we we can hang. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I know where all the twenty four hour McDonald's are. <laughs> right down here in Eustis, as a matter of fact. <laughs> Unfortunately, it's not on my way. Oh, oh man. But so, what? Uh, tell us the story of the deer you killed. Sit tight. We'll be right back with a word from our sponsors. As we move through life, it's inevitable that we're going to find ourselves needing trusted advice from legal counsel. From business transactions to real estate, lawsuits to contract matters, we all need advice and assistance from time to time. Attorney Roman Hammis' multi-state law practice focuses on litigation, business law, and real estate. Roman helps individuals and business owners find solutions to their legal problems. If push comes to shove, Roman is an experienced litigator with extensive trial experience and the ability to take it all the way. He's been named Super Lawyer 
every year from 2016 to present, a distinction given to only 5% of practicing lawyers. Most importantly, Roman is an avid hunter, angler, conservationist, and proud supporter of the UPO Nation. When you need dependable legal counsel, call Roman, 407-680-6050 or 843-324-1727 or email roman at romanvhamas.com. That's R-O-M-A-N at R-O-M-A-N-V-H-A-M-M-E-S dot com. Offices Florida and South Carolina. I didn't kill anything. He didn't kill anything. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no wonder he's so easy to get on a podcast. <laughs> you guys couldn't reach out to Yeah, else, I was yeah. wondering. I was like, I wonder why they picked me. It's probably because y'all called all the other guys and they were too busy or something. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was actually Easton's idea. Easton's like, man, I've been talking to this guy. He's, he's cool as can be. He's like, we need to get him on and talk to him. I just remember I hit you up about uh, because you, uh, you like turkey hunting. And I hit you up about oh, seeing yeah. if you wanted to come down here to Florida and do some turkey hunting, and that's where it started. Gotcha. Well, you know, we, you know, going back to this, you know, and not not making light of it, that's tough. Man, you're out there, you're on this tour, you're hunting public land. It's a grind, and we've all hit slumps, uh, right? Where, public- but man, you keep you keep getting up, and you keep going out, and you're like, today is the day. You start it every day, like today's the day, and then the lunch break comes. Like, that's all right, man. You know, the, the witching hour is going to come in a couple hours. Next thing you know, the sun's yeah. coming down. And it's like, I got 15 minutes left any minute now. And then nothing. And it goes on yeah. day after day. And so for you, man, just even though I just rambled that off, yours didn't just go on for like a couple of weeks. It went on a whole season. How did you stay yeah, motivated? It's still that going on. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we're open till the end of January here and I'm I still haven't got one, but uh it was it was hard. Uh I know I think our my first date was Kentucky early season in Kentucky and in my mind I was like we're definitely going to kill something. So I I that's just what I had in my mind and when we got out there and after Kentucky I didn't I didn't I got close but I didn't kill anything. I was like, "Dang." And I got they got me down a little bit. I was like, "It's all right. It's it's a week in a state I've never been to. It's I'm I'm doing good. And then I got to um, Indiana, which is my next state I hunted. And um, I, obviously, I, I've never I'm from Mississippi. You say Indiana, I'm like, golly, there's got to be monsters there. And there was. We saw a, a really big buck. Got really close to him. Was on a ton of sign. Um, but yeah, didn't happen again. We had a uh, we had that really big ten point. We had him at fifty yards. Um, that was, I mean, that that made my trip there. I, even though I didn't kill anything, that's what it kept me going. Is every time I'd go out, I'd be close, or I'd see one, or he'd be like at sixty yards. Or in Missouri, we had one, and he came in. He was like at twenty five yards, but he was behind some brush. So I just didn't, I didn't feel comfortable shooting him. So that's I mean, actually, I was gonna say, that's bravo, man. If you're really in a slump, and it's tough, that's when a lot of guys start saying, "I know, can make that shot." I, I, <laughs> I'll drop the you know I'll drop the bomb on him right, and then you end up hitting yeah. him high, or <laughs> hitting him clean through the butt. 
you know, or trying to punch it through brush and you wind up, you know, not getting good penetration and then it just becomes another nightmare. Yeah. And that, that's just a, that's a worse feeling. I've been there and, and done that before. And I just, I'd much rather have a clean shot and watch them go down or even just a clean shot. And I don't see them go down, but just knowing that I, I made the right decision and whether I was going to shoot one or not. So this whole time you're out in the tree with a cameraman too, right? It was the cameraman's fault. That's why he didn't kill No, him. no, no, no. I was going to say, come <laughs> on, man. You know, especially when it starts getting slow, you guys must have started yucking it up between the two of you. You got any good stories on the cam- from the cameraman? There's... I know we're putting it on the spot. <laughs> I, I really get my mind blank right now. Um, no, I can't think of anything. Um, I mean, Cole, if y'all watch the stories, you all know Cole's a storyteller. But because um, he was my camera guy the entire tour, uh, we were supposed to rotate and uh, in the Indiana, we were, we had a little chat. That ice cream challenge is where we were supposed to rotate, and uh, we ended up back in the same position except for um, Spoonie, Spoonie and Grace, and I think switched. But I had cold the whole entire time, and and he does he does talk a lot in the tree. I'll say that. Uh, explains but, why I didn't um, see anything. I, yeah, well, it, see, it, I told it you it's me, a cameraman. Yeah. <laughs> It kept me, uh, I guess, not so bored because we weren't seeing hardly anything most of the time. That helps keep your spirits up. Mm-hmm. Uh, having it a conversation. Sure I mean, we we hit a hit a spot this year when we were all <clears throat> hunting public land together, and it had been hot, and nothing was moving, and we were tired. And then the spirits were low. Yeah, <laughs> yeah spirits were low. The afternoon rolled around. I'm like, hey, <clears throat> y'all just want to go try and shoot a squirrel? I brought my twenty two. <laughs> Sure. <laughs> we roll around with shotguns and twenty twos. We didn't kill any squirrels either, uh, but it, it was something to break up the monotony of of just going and sitting and seeing a thousand squirrels but no deer, and then you go with the intent to kill a squirrel and don't see anything. <laughs> they know. They do know. Uh, but. Did you have any opportunities? Did you were you you know miss a shot? And uh, no, I didn't. Uh, in Missouri, it was the first time I draw. I drew my bow back, and that was on that buck. He got to twenty five yards, and he was standing there in that brush. And I, I drew my bow back, expecting him to step out in the opening, and uh, he turned around and went dead away from us. So I I didn't even I didn't release an arrow on the tour. Dang! Ouch! Well, that's why you have. That's why you hunt with people because it keeps the morale kinda at a pace so if you get low they bring you back up yeah yep that's why i hunt with you guys because i don't see anything i thought it was just because we cook good in between hunts (laughs) (laughs) this was our first year hunting public with easton and uh like the first hunt we hunted on together because normally the way we do it is we'll go in in a morning and then we'll hunt in the morning come back to the trucks midday and we'll cook something and then hang out, and then we won't leave the woods. And uh, we cook something up for Easton first day, and he's like, "Wait a minute, y'all, y'all throw down between hunts." <laughs> I usually go back to the house, yeah, and then get discouraged and not come back that afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> that that started with me, man. It was us because we're hunting public land up in Kentucky. If you left where you parked your truck, you weren't parking there in the afternoon. So we started bringing food and staying parked right there all day, take a nap in the truck, whatever you got to do. 
And we saw that when I went out there to Kentucky to hunt with you. I mean, we stayed at the trucks, and I can't tell you how many trucks drove by spots we were parked in, like looking, like, hey. They're going to leave. And they they would drive by, disappear for 20 or 30 minutes, and then come back, come in the other direction. You're like, yeah, we didn't go anywhere. We're still here. Keep on going. Yeah. (laughs) So we're going to grub this this weekend at Seminole Forest? We definitely can. I've got everything loaded up in the back of the truck already. I was planning on going to Hooters, but I might – I got a whole pile of stuff in the freezer. I got another one of your does that you didn't hunt this year. We we've got uh, we've got we've got a blackstone and a stovetop. We could feed the camp. We've got to mm-hmm. think on that. Uh, but twenty four hours to plan a menu. Yeah, that's yeah, something maybe. simple. Yeah, just so, do something easy. Yeah. Nah. <laughs> nah. But Go I, all I out. Did, so I did introduce Rowland to his first half moon sandwich this past weekend. A kid probably gained three pounds just on that sandwich. <laughs> yeah. You're going to have to explain here what the half moon is. So the, the half moon sandwich is a bacon, egg, and cheese sandwich made on a honey bun for the for the bread, but the honey buns have been fried in bacon grease. Oh, my gosh. And I gave it to a guy who's like, I don't really like sweets. It's like, just try this. And he ate the whole dang thing. He's like, man, I'm not a big sweets fan, but I'm going to start making those at the house. And I was like, yeah, that's what everybody says. <laughs> How did they come up with half moon? Because that thing's like a moon and a half. Well, huh? because it was, it was, Briar had brought, this is at the, the pig roast. This all started at the pig roast. Briar had brought his Blackstone to the pig roast because we had to show up at three in the morning to get the pig on the coal so we could eat it at one o'clock in the afternoon or whatever. So he brought the Blackstone to make, he wanted to make fried honey buns and he brought some bacon and eggs. And I was like, Hey man, you got cheese? He's like, yeah, I got cheese. He was going to make biscuits on the blackstone. I said, Hey, make, take me a couple of them fried honey buns and, uh, make me a bacon, egg and cheese sandwich with it. He's like, okay. So it was Briar's idea to fry the honey buns and my idea to make the sandwich out of it. His name is middle name is moon. So we went with, Half his idea, half mine, half moon sandwich. Gotcha. Man, that could stick. We could. We should market those. We should. Under Pressure Outdoors half moon sandwich. Made made AJ famous. <laughs> well, dude, we made... Dude, we went... <sighs> We've made them with every meat you can think of. We made them with, with sausage, the the, the sneeze, sneeze, what was that? Sneeds. Sneeds, sneeds breakfast sausage that AJ yeah. brought to Georgia. Yeah. They're pretty good with that. Yeah, uh, and then when we were in Kentucky. We made it with spam. We made it with uh, which well, spam was okay. Country ham, not that great. We we tried uh, fried Vienna sausages. That wasn't great either. Well, wait a minute. I remember making a sandwich that had like eggs, honey bun, cheese, country ham, spam, and maybe a Vienna sausage in it. <laughs> like with multiple egg layers. The thing was like six inches to you know just you eat that thing because we were hungry and it was cold. And we made it on the fire, so it's also got the smoke taste to it. Oh, that was when we ran out of we ran out of propane for the blackstone, so we took the the metal surface off of it and then built a fire ring and pushed coals underneath of it and then continued to cook on the blackstone surface. <laughs> yeah. I remember going out trying to get my tree stand afterwards, like oh, <laughs> that's like them trying to go hunt after their ice cream challenge that's right you hit the first step and like, yeah, it's too much I eat too much uh but we don't skip when we go to the woods man i i remember you know one day we were sitting on the side of the road between hunts when i was in kentucky and the, it was opening morning deer season and it started absolutely pouring rain at like seven fifteen. 
and I was soaked to the bone. I was like, screw this, I'm getting down. Got down, walked back to the truck, knew it was going to rain, knew I was going to get wet, so I brought a change of clothes. Walked back to the truck, changed clothes, set up this little tent, like a little uh, pole tent we brought so we could sit underneath of it out of the rain during the day. Drug the cooler out, set the stuff up, started cooking breakfast sausage, all that. This dude comes driving by, looking at me, staring so hard he was on the wrong side of the road as he drove past. (laughs) And then he turned around and drove back. He's like, man, y'all got quite the setup over here. I was like, yeah, man, we're just out here hunting, going to have a little breakfast, get back out this afternoon. He's like, damn. I said, you want to come have some sausage, coffee? You, you don't mind? I was like, no, man, I got plenty. Then I made a whole dang pot of coffee and a percolator. Like, we're ready to go. So he pulled over and ate breakfast with us. <laughs> That's another thing when I was came on coffee in the stand. Mm-hmm. God, you got to have that coffee, son. But. And you can't joke around in the middle of the day if you expect to have the fuel to get back out in the afternoon. That's when it's important to really important to play the wind for several reasons. Yeah, depending on what you ate. <laughs> the, the gas, the food smell. <laughs> I'm getting some ideas for Saturday. Okay. Though the question is, do we want to do more of a brunchy thing or do we do, want to do a lunchy thing? I'm leaning towards the brunchy thing. I'm down for brunchy. Yeah, man, I got all kinds of sausage. Yeah, I'll leave all the stuff in the back of my truck. I mean, I've got a table to pop out and all that stuff back there. And I got to ask, too, when y'all went musky fishing, I seen you caught the first musky. How long did it take him to reel that bleach bottle in? <laughs> <laughs> I want to say like five. No, I wouldn't five. It was probably three minutes. It was a long time. He, he claimed he was wore out by it. <laughs> yeah. That's so he was wore out. And he was not happy. I mean, he he was laughing and everything, but he was like, they just woke up. And he, he runs in there and is so excited, and he reels that in, and then he gets wore out. His arms are hurt. And uh, as soon as we get the poles back in the water, we have an actual fish on. And we're like, it was like we cut the cameras, and he started walking back down into the, the uh, bottom there. And we were like, hey, hey, there's actually a fish on. And he was like, come on, my arms are like dead. Didn't he end up catching the biggest one of the day? Oh yeah, oh yeah! yeah. He caught the, it was huge. Now, dude, I, I'd was, walk right past a white-tailed deer for a muskie, though. I mean, you know, they call this things uh, a fish of a thousand casts. Was was uh, it musky or was it, it took pike? Forever, it was musky. Uh, musky. Mus- it was musky. Yep. You now, caught multiple musky. We caught two. That's it. Took pretty all good. day, but we caught two. <laughs> now, now here's here's my was was the bleach bottle intentional, or was that yes. complete X? Okay. Oh yeah, yeah, well, yeah. They were down there asleep, and we we got the or I don't know who had the idea. I was asleep too. I think it was Dallas had the idea to, to play a prank on him. So we uh, put that bleach the the guy put the bleach bottle on on there, and they cut it so it had some drag to it, and uh, they took it out there, and we waited a few minutes, and then caught him up there. <laughs> wow. That's awful. <laughs> they had him walking. So we went from like, I caught one, I don't know what time it was that morning. I think we got there at eight something and I caught one at like nine thirty. So it was, I mean, it was kind of fresh into our trip and I was expecting, I, I don't know. I've never done anything like that. So I was expecting, you know, have some bites or have some, you know, at least a few fish on. Uh, but no, that we didn't get another fish till like two o'clock, I think. And that was right after the, right after the bottle. Right, we did the bleach bottle. So they cut the bleach bottle so it didn't feel like he was pulling up dead weight. 
It was zigzagging back and forth and giving the, him some the, fight. The, the bleach bottle was collecting water and creating drag is why they cut it. Exactly. But, yeah. you, you know, as opposed to if you put dead weight on there, eventually the guy just feels like there's nothing. But if you cut it just right. Oh, that sucker's vibrating as it comes. Through exactly, yeah. man. So you feel you feel like something's pulling back. That's that's dastardly, man. Oh, I'm going to do that to somebody someday. I just got to find the right opportunity. <laughs> somebody falls asleep on a, on, a, on, a, on a drop trip or something like that. Oh, my God. <laughs> he brings a, be- a bleach bottle in his bag. He's like, I brought this for this occasion. Yeah. <laughs> He's been testing it out of the pool at the house, make yeah. sure it vibrates just right when you drag it through the water. <laughs> Dastardly. Now, uh, now, Caden, also with the Tad Doubt Tour, there was some things that y'all did. The uh, the challenges, right? Yep. So, what exactly were the challenges? And then, like, at, they said in the beginning, there was like a purpose for the challenges. What was the overall like win? What happened? So, the, there was like big challenges that we did in order to pick our time slots and when we got to hunt. Like the ice cream challenge was like the big challenge, and then we had like each state had its own set of challenges. And um, the winner of that ended up being Dallas, and he got uh, he won the e-bikes that we were using in Missouri. He won Ooh. one of those. Those are nice. They seemed, yes, they were awesome. They seemed very fast. <laughs> they were very fast. We had to, I had to check myself because going down those uh, little rock roads was getting sketchy in the dark. <laughs> Twenty miles an hour with a headlight. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Gr- greatest thing about e-bikes is. People that don't have them are always kind of like throwing the e-bike guys under the bus, and then they get an e-bike, and it's the greatest thing ever. Yep. You know you can get you a know. conversion kit for a mountain bike to turn it into an e-bike? Mm-hmm. Like 600 bucks. All Amazon. right. Yeah. <laughs> when I saw that, I was <laughs> <Fun> like, <fact. laughs> I was like, huh. yeah, that's going to be me. Rattle can, rattle can mountain bike I found at a yard sale with a $600 e-bike kit on it from Amazon. <laughs> or a $65 Walmart mountain bike. Well, man, if we ever get up to St. Vincent, that's those guys that are getting deep on that island, man, that's all they're running. I know. Man, um, I don't know. There's other people that don't have them are all pissy. Hey, God, die. guys with the e-bike. Next, next year they're out there, studded out of the e-bikes themselves. Yeah, well, so here's the thing with the e-bikes, man, is, is they are, they're flipping the the metric on public land, right? Because it used to be go deeper to get further, you know, to get to where nobody is. Right. But now that the e-bike is becoming much more popular, once it reaches maximum popularity and everybody's got an e-bike, then you're just going to want to hunt deer right off the road. Cause everybody's going to be in the middle of the WMA. That's right. So it's, it's kind of a, a flip flop, but everybody wants to think that the, the catch all, the end all be all to, Finding deer is to go further, deeper, better, whatever. But it's not. Not always. You need to be where the deer are. Yeah. Well, that was like, I mean, this year with our our first draw hunt we had, we saw more deer sitting closer to the road than than we did when we went deep first thing. Dude, we're sitting right off a hiking trail. Yeah. And, And seeing deer. Did you guys ever run into like any other... You have ever any any encounters with other hunters once you already set up or uh, I don't think I, I didn't I don't know if anybody else did I don't remember them saying anything I know we met some guys like while we were out there we would see some guys if we were scouting 
but um, I don't remember anybody having like Hunter walk up on them or anything like that. Yeah, that was like us with that dang when we was talking about that hiking trail we were sitting on this year. We had two hikers walk right underneath both of us. Never saw us. Did they? Did they, yeah, like, they never saw y'all. Never, never saw, saw me. me. And I'm wearing an orange vest. Yeah. Everything. They literally oh, walked dang. within spitting distance of Jordan. Yeah, I, I literally could have spit on. They came back the second time when I seen them coming. I sprayed it some dopey to see if they'd smell it. They didn't even react to it. I thought about saying something to him, but <laughs> they were carrying on a good conversation. Yeah, she was gossiping about somebody's daughter. Now, what was now what was really crazy was when they walked past me, they ju- they jumped a covey of quail, didn't even flinch. I'm like, those people, they're not even human. How, how can you? How can you? Bust a covey of quail and not even not even look. We jumped the same covey, knew where they were, and it still scared the piss out of me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's how I'm going out. It's either going to be a covey of quail, like on a small game trip, or it's going to be those sadistic bucks or does that just wait until you are right on top of them, coming off a stand at night. I mean, to where you're at, you're at danger close range, and also they blow and then hammer out through through palmettos, and you, you're convinced that it's the big one Sasquatch is coming to eat you. It's, it's one of those two. So tell me some of your camp stories. I know you probably have a few of those. Well, there was a there was a couple of uh, arguments. I can say that. Um, I know Cole and Spoonie got into it all the time. That was hilarious. And most of the time, the one time they got into it big was in Michigan. And uh, I wasn't even there to see it. We were on our way back, but we didn't get to see that one. Um, and then most of the time, I mean, when we got back to camp, we were going to sleep. There wasn't really a lot of camp stories. Uh, we were going from daylight to dark. And when we got back, we were all like done. We were like, we're going to sleep. So I mean, most of the time we got back and everybody was calling their family or, or you know, we cooked we were cooking or something like that. So it wasn't a ton of camp stories. Um, I think. I hope when they're arguing that they weren't arguing about serious stuff. I hope it's like typical camp arguments we get into. It's usually because somebody shot up the toilet and didn't flush. Or... <laughs> well, some, some of them, some of them were like that. Some of them got a little bit more heated. Um, but I know in Missouri, which was towards the end of the trip. It was, a, it was the second to last state. And we, they went and got, it was Cole and Grayson and uh, Spoonie. They went to the, I don't know, sporting goods store, Dick's or something like that, and picked up some boxing gloves. And, uh, <laughs> and a bottle of Jack. <laughs> and that night we went, everybody kind of went at it. We, we said no face shots, which was weird, but we, we no face shots and everybody would just, except for Dallas, everybody, Everybody jumped in at least once, and was we were boxing each other. <laughs> Got to keep the face looking good for the camera. I know. I, know I told <laughs> yeah. I told Easton the other day. I was like, dude, they there had to be some animosity on that trip because there is no way I could spend a hundred days with the four guys in this room and not all of us have some sort of hatred towards each and every one of our guts by the end of oh, hundred days. I feel like it a was good rough. I feel like a good heavy set of boxing gloves would be a solid addition to any long-term hunting trip. Yeah, don't, you don't hurt anybody real bad. We should have got them in Nebraska. We should have got them in Nebraska. Would have solved so much right out of the gate. 
Hell yeah. Uh, just get some, uh, what is it, the rock'em, sock'em, bop, the, the, the boppers? Yeah. You know, the big old inflatable things you stick your hand inside of? You like the things <laughs> they gave you back in karate back in the day. You had the whole yeah. like foam thing over your head. Oh, man. But, no, I, that, I mean, sometimes it's got to come a little bit of fisticuffs. Get it. It'll help settle an argument real quick. It's better if you do it with gloves on so you don't, you know, beat the crap out of somebody you don't really want to. Were you all sleeping in that same bus? Yeah, uh, most nights. Uh, in Nebraska, I think, was the only only night that we didn't all sleep in the bus. Some of us slept in the hammocks. Some of us slept in tents. But other than that, I mean, Georgia, there was mosquitoes, so we slept in the bus. Uh, pretty much from there on, it got a little cooler at night. So, yeah, there was a... Uh, there's four bunk beds, or no, one, two. There's four bunk beds, and then there was two a little bit bigger beds. And if the, the bus driver was there, then he'd sleep on the bigger bed. And then um, when the bus driver wasn't there, Dallas would take it or whatever. But, yeah, there, it was it was pretty comfy. I mean, as far as if you imagine a bus sleeping on it for 100 days, you don't think it's going to be comfortable. But it wasn't that bad. The y'all are champs, man. The fact there's a couple of fisticuffs or whatever, that's – Hundred days, like a hundred days, just traveling where you sleep in your own beds or whatever. The hotel is one thing, but all packed into a shitty bus. <laughs> oh, we we <laughs> could not get away from each other. Well, who's the, who's the oldest? How old? Is the, how old? How old is the oldest of you? Uh, Dallas is the oldest. He's twenty six. I'm telling you, by the time you're fifty, these guys ain't surviving that trip. <laughs> just not surviving. <laughs> And wake up in the morning. Oh, my back. I don't think I'm going to be able to get in the stand today. I'll tell you, so one of them would be like, I'm checking out. <laughs> I've had a good life. It was rough. And then I know, uh, who was it? Uh, Cole. Cole went home for a family matter, and I went home for a family matter mid tour. And after I came home, I was like, man, I really don't want to go back tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of crazy, too. I mean, to think about it, most people. You tell them that they could go on a trip like that to hunt, and they're not gonna want to go home. But if you really think you spend that much time with those guys, you're like, <sighs> well, it does. It does eventually become work after a while. Yeah, the last thirty days of that trip must have been hell, man. Special. First thirty, everything's good. Second thirty, man, that guy's starting to get on me. Third thirty, oh, oh you know, what I mean, funny. like, yeah. <laughs> especially that's when it started Kate. getting real fun. <laughs> no, bravo, man. I mean, I hope you guys have had a rendezvous since where some of you've had some time and perspective to realize that, you know, that n- nobody on that trip was really that bad a guy. And, you know, you really got to, you'll probably never get a chance to do it again. So I hope you guys always remember the good stuff and not some of the, you know, the sour things that happen between men, especially young men. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Most of the tour was, it was great. Everybody was laughing and joking around trading some stories off but uh there was just like a, there was just, just a select few days that was like oh my gosh i could i could strangle him in his sleep tonight tensions were high so yeah oh yeah was the bleach bottle the only prank that was played uh i i was as far as pranks i didn't do really any like physical pranks like like that but like in text groups when we were like hunting i would be sending pictures of like deer feet or like old deer like i, I sometimes like i my dad before tour i like take a picture of a deer hoof and i'll send it to him like if i killed one 
So I did that a ton, or I would tell them I got one down or something like that all the time. And so they just, <laughs> that's they, why they quit believing me. Yeah. <laughs> that's why I didn't um, see anything. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> He's a boy who cried wolf. <laughs> that's called karma. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> um, I mean, but I, I know Dallas, uh, for one of the challenges was to uh, scare the bus driver, and he poured water on Blair. Oh, yeah, um, he was sleeping in his hammock. Yep. Yeah, he was taking a nice little nap. Um, I don't think there was a, there wasn't really any pranks played to, I mean, surprisingly. Man, I can't. That would be the, after after 90 days, 100 days, that would be the one thing I would be hated for. <clears throat> playing pr- Oh, we'd have been playing pranks on Playing pranks, yeah. Yeah, I if you hunt with me long enough, I will mess with you in some way or another. <laughs> That's where the bots and gloves come in handy. No, I'll find your. I'll, I will find. I'll figure out what you're afraid of, and I'll I'll uh, I'll abuse it. <laughs> but uh, I I had a buddy, and I never did this to him. I he was he's terrified of coyotes, and uh, dude, I I swore up and down I was going to get out around his bow stand and just put double bright eyes on a bunch of trees and set a thing. <laughs> set like a fox pro out there and just creep up next to him in the dark when he should be coming up to a stand and hit that sucker and let it go off like a pack of coyotes. When he turns that light, all he sees is <laughs> eyes in the woods. Especially the snarling ones. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I tell you what, you better not be afraid of around me at all is, is snakes. Cause I will mess with you with snakes. I mess with Briar all the time with snakes. Cause Briar's terrified of snakes. Uh, he's not here with us tonight, but I had a buddy Tristan who was terrified of snakes, and uh, we had a we put a black racer in his climber seat. <laughs> oh no, you didn't! I'm that guy. I'm scared of snakes. I had a gun drawn on me that day, and I <laughs> probably deserved it. But <laughs> <laughs> was it a live black racer? Yes. Oh god! Oh, oh my god! Oh. You're a mean man. That's so dirty. <laughs> Found him in the sun, put him in a warm spot. He stayed there. Yeah. Oh my god! <laughs> That's you dirty. definitely deserve whatever you got. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he uh, he! I don't think I ever saw him come up and not tip his climber seat over before he got in it. After that, though, so I mean, <laughs> you know, I kept telling him, I was like, "Hey, make sure you turn that thing inside out. You know, snakes will get up in there and rest in it. You know, I prime him up for it and then uh, put it in there, but." I still got a rubber snake inside. I got to fold up in a folding chair for Briar. You brought that thing to Kentucky, if I'm not mistaken. Someplace I know you. you... I think my dad had the rubber rattlesnake that he brought to Kentucky. Oh, he's Maybe got that's a what very, it was. A very lifelike looking rubber rattlesnake. I don't have that one. I've got just a regular rubber rat snake I'm going to put inside of a folding chair and leave it in a blind somewhere. That's another nice thing about being 50. At, at some <laughs> point, you've seen enough of them rubber snakes. You're like, eh, nah, they're going to get me. I think if I folded it up in a chair and left it in the blind, you opened it up. We might not see you again, Jim. Maybe you, you know that <laughs> would, you, you got to get in. The, you you got to get in there at night after I've left, and then so you come back the next morning. Yeah, you know, in, in the yeah in the wee hours, you put the light on. Ah, yeah. <laughs> Splayed out or, like an angel. You're all back at camp, like man. I figured Jim would have been back by now. No, three. Maybe he's just doing an all day set. Go check out in the afternoon. Dead as a doornail. Bottom of the thing. <laughs> Quail covey. <laughs> <laughs> Sadistic bucks and rubber snakes. Oh man! Well, overall experience. Would you do it again? Oh yeah, hands down, I'd do it again. 
overall it was a blast. I mean, how how many people can say that they've hunted nine states in a year, let alone uh, uh, nine states? I mean, the states we hunted are. I thought about it. I was like, there's so many people that hunt that are never going to get to go to the states we went to. Who was the Gold Gloves champion of of the boxing match? Yeah, who, come on, man. You know, some one of the one of you was the best. Who who was the guy that nobody wanted to step in after they got belted a couple times? Well, I would say it would be me or Cole. Um, we were the. I think we had street, or I say slap box the most out of everybody else. <laughs> You two were the the two stockier ones too. Yep. Everybody else yep, was, was scrawny or short. I was just—I think I was the shortest, but I was just—I'm a little bit stocky. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and no, no face shots, right? So everything was getting to the body. The short guy, yeah. Oh yeah, everything was in the body. Step I in, boom. Step in, yeah. That'll do it. You made the rules, right? No face shots. <laughs> I wish I wish I was that smart. Oh, uh, well, so tell us some about I mean, you just generally outside of the tour. Like now or before? Or? I mean, let's hear about you said you like turkey hunting, man. I, I want to hear some of this uh Dude, I love turkey hunting. I don't like it. I love it. <laughs> I assume you do if you go through one pair of boots and one season of turkey hunting. I, so uh, I just started turkey hunting about five seasons ago, and I I got in it all by myself, and didn't have anybody to teach me. Nobody in my family turkey hunted. Um, I started turkey hunting, and then my dad got into it halfway through the season. So it's something that I I've, I'm just been learning on my own, and I fell in love with it mostly because the first three seasons it took three seasons to, to actually kill one, and it was like the last day of the season. So it was just like just bit me hard, and. Um, I mean, from then on out, like I told everybody on the tour, I was like, if if you said right now, hey, w- what would you hunt? If like turkeys gobbled you around, would you ever hunt deer again? And my answer would be no. I would never pick up my bow and go deer hunting again. Hmm. Would you ever turkey hunt with a bow? <sighs> that's, I think that's a sin. A sin. <laughs> 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 We've talked about it kind of here in the studio. We're like, man, we're not like... Matt, I don't. None of us in here are massive bow hunters. Like I, 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 lo- I like bow hunting, and uh, I'll bow hunt during bow season. And m- you might catch me touch one during muzzleloader, maybe. But if when rifle season comes around, I'm not even gonna. Why would I pick up a bow when I got a rifle that I can shoot a deer at yeah. two, three hundred <laughs> yards away, if not further? I like bow hunting myself. It's just it makes you feel good when you accomplish it. I, I like bow hunting. I just don't like bow hunting in the south. Like in the deep south we're at because it's just god-awful hot. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it is. God-awful hot. I I loved I loved bow hunting when I lived up Kentucky, Tennessee. Man, I'd go out and it'd be, the high would be 70 and the low is 35. It's beautiful. You know, you sit in the deer stand in the morning, you wake up, it's good and cold. As you get out in the evening, it's cooling off. It's not super hot. It's not super cold. It's like, just right. And then, you know, but here, you're like, yeah, I'm going to go out and bow hunt this afternoon. It's going to be 98 degrees when I get to deer stand. Don't worry, though. The low tonight is 88 degrees. Humidity, 98%. Yeah. <laughs> you got to run four thermocells just to keep half the mosquitoes off. <laughs> yeah, one thermocell doesn't quit anymore. We learned that the hard way. 
thermosel. Had a, at one point this year, we had a thermosel burning and still like heads tucked inside hoodies and like a. You would have thought sleeve. we were trying yeah. to keep warm, but we were just trying to keep from getting bit by mosquitoes. <laughs> and they were still biting through clothing. Yeah. Golly. They do get aggressive. Yeah, they get rough down here in Florida. But so what? What is a? Did you take anything away from the the tagged out tour that is you're going to continue to carry something that's changed the way you hunt? Anything like that? Continue to carry on after that? Uh, I I got very humbled on the on the tour. Uh, I I will say I did expect to one at least kill something on the tour. Um, or, or see some more deer than we saw. So, like, once again, I'm, I'm from Mississippi. I, I go out and I, I see a good bit of deer when I go out and hunt on public land in Mississippi. Like, I mean, I, I'll see nine deer. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes I don't see anything. But most of the time, I'm seeing anywhere between three and nine deer most every time I go out. And we were going out in the Midwest closer to rut and not seeing anything. And that really that really humbled me. Um, I was like, golly, I'm, I'm doing something wrong. Um, but I, I would say hunting more aggressive and scouting more is something that I would definitely take and take away. Uh, scouting was, was key. Even though we didn't always kill something in every state, we got everybody that got really close was putting a lot of time on the scout. Sounds like <coughs> that's pretty, a, a big thing that we took away from our season this year too, is that scouting is a massive thing. Yeah, we definitely didn't do enough. Well, big thing in scouting too is, I mean, we all obviously know you find a bedding area, you find a food source, you find, but learning how deer use the terrain they're moving through and how that differs from place to place to place, yeah, is is a big thing because you could know exactly where the food source is and the trail, or know from where the bedding area is to the food source, and you want to set up in between. But if you're set up in the bottom because you're used to deer moving through the bottoms and they're walking midway up or the top of the ridge to get there, you're not in the right spot. Yeah. Or if you set up in reverse and they do the different things. And it's going to change from area to area depending on pressure and just how deer move in general through there. And having that information is something that's hard to find even when you're scouting. Because if you're walking, you know, down a ridge that's in, in the... I would say mid fall when leaves are falling steady, spotting those trails and spotting tracks and stuff like that is not as easy as if all the leaves are gone in late fall, early winter, and the deer have continued to walk the same path. Now you can see the deer trail. You know how the deer are moving using the terrain. Or if you're hunting in an area down, you know, like we're out here in Florida, you walk, there's a, it's a palmetto flat. Good luck spotting a deer trail in a palmetto flat. You can't see the ground. Yeah. Yeah. Everything's neck high, and you can't see anything underneath. Yeah. <laughs> Good during turkey season when all the snakes are roaming. Yeah. You can't see those either. <laughs> no, you can't. <laughs> you just hope for the best and just plunge right through the middle of them. So I've always wondered if snake boots, like, you know, they only go up to below your knee. You're like, does a snake really only strike below your knee? Jim says they work. Yeah, Jim's actually been struck. But I mean, like, out of how many times... When a snake strikes, does it only strike below your knee? Or am I going to be SOL one day and walk up on a dang <laughs> rattlesnake and get struck in the dang thigh? Just be like Ethan, get your pair of snake chaps. Chaps don't, don't even go all the way up. And they don't go all the way down either. I don't know that... It's not like, and I hope it never happens again because it's not exactly a good feeling, but if you think about what their natural prey is, 
they're they're not snatching stuff that high, man. Everything they're hitting is right at the ankle level. Yeah. And that's I got hit just above the instep, right? Just above where the the ball joint is in your in your ankle. Um I don't know though. Yeah, <laughs> truth of the matter, man, you get hit in the inner thigh, like right on the main highway to Rome and it gets into the femoral <laughs> artery. <laughs> <laughs> Lights out, man. You ain't but I don't know. You ain't gonna make it far. Yeah. That's a hell of a snake that you that high. Or you're really short, one or the other. It was sitting on top of a stump. You know what I worry about is um like if you're we do all the small game hunting and we get in there, you know, pretty serious about the squirrels and sometimes I mean you get in them palmettos and them little pygmy suckers are sitting at like they're already sitting at knee high. Oh, they're in the yeah. palmetto. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I worry about taking I mean, I don't think a pygmy's gonna kill you, just you know, but it can make you an awful, awfully uncomfortable if one of those things bites you in the belly button. You know, um, I, I would suck to get bit in the belly button. Suck to get bit anywhere. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or if you're not paying attention, you just move in palmettos and all of a sudden whack get you like between the the thumb and the forefinger. Like, ooh, right in the webbing. Gonna go through life with a divot. That would suck. Mm. So, nobody's gonna want to hunt this weekend. I, I don't think the the rate of fatalities from look that up. Rate of fatalities from a, a rattlesnake bite are very high in a first world country. No, very low. Yeah, they're they're very 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 low. Yeah. And even that, I, you've got it's not like uh, ten step steak, whatever yeah, they call it, whatever they call it. Thing we black mamba dead, dead before you get out of the woods. Um, but I don't mean I want to get bit. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think anybody does. <laughs> Less than one in six hundred. Uh, so not as bad as winning the lottery, but now are how many people get bit a year? Six hundred. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now my thing is, so where we hunt at, where me and Jordan went this past year and scouted a lot. The, the odds of a fatality getting struck by like a cottonmouth or a rattlesnake down there are pro- probably pretty high because you're getting, probably more likely to get bit by a cottonmouth. I mean, getting to help from where we were because there's no phone service. Yeah, but you've got you have a lot more time than you think you do. I don't know. I mean, my adrenaline would be pumped pretty good, so it'd be running through me real quick. <laughs> <laughs> Eight thousand people. Oh. Eight thousand people a year. Dang. Yeah. Well, I, yeah. I can't believe as much time as we spend in the woods. If eight thousand people get that's bit, venomous snakes in general. That's not just rattlesnakes. I think all of us are living in the bonus round. We're doing good. No, you want to talk about the bonus round? Let's talk about churches in like deep eastern Kentucky. Okay, the snake churches. <laughs> <laughs> And they do poisonous snakes too, right? Yeah, the rattlesnakes, man. Yeah, that's great. That's that's asking for it there. <laughs> but I don't know, man. You always hear if the you're story. born if you're afraid of snakes and you're born into a family that's in the snake church. You're just not afraid of snakes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's not in the genetics there. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. The Jehovah's Witness already have a tough job. I would like to meet the people that have to go out on the, the missions or whatever. To recruit people to the Rattlesnake Church. <laughs> you just come to our church. Yeah. We've got snakes. <laughs> do, do you have a moment? Do you have a moment, brother? <laughs> do you mind if I come in? <laughs> Don't mind the noise in my box here. 
<laughs> Might want to cut this part out. No, <laughs> this is the, I'll, <laughs> I'll leave that in there. That's that's pretty. That's that's comedy gold. Uh, oh, so, but, in your years of hunting, turkey hunting, deer hunting, anything, what is probably your most memorable story? Oh, that's a good question. Uh, most memorable story or hunt? That's, Either way. That's both. Well, let's let's hear both of them. Okay. Our most memorable story, um, like first thing that popped in my mind, I, I, last year I went turkey hunting in Alabama, first out-of-state hunt ever. Um, I went and met up with, with Josh because he's never been turkey hunting before, and he lives in Florida. Um, so I was like, dude, you, you've never been turkey hunting? I, I got to take you. Why don't we meet up in Alabama because he had an Alabama license. I said, I want to go to another state anyway. Let's go turkey hunting out there. So I got a three-day license. We met up one weekend um, in Alabama. And uh, I guess we'll, we'll call it the Hill Country, Alabama. Um, and we were out there first morning, didn't do any good. Uh, second morning, and every evening I was going out town to roost one for the next day. Um, but I think it had been the, the second evening I go out, and uh, I was out there. I, I use a coyote call to see if I can roost them because you have a lot of reach with that. And uh, I, I ran a mile and a half back in the woods right before dark. Um, and he, he wasn't with me. He had to go to town to work on some, some college class or something like that. And uh, I'm a mile and a half back, and I hit that coyote call, and I didn't hear a thing. Nothing nothing gobbled. And here it was a super dead evening. And um, I'm just sitting there on that ridge just listening. And I swore up and down. I heard something running in the leaves, and I swore up and down. It sounded like a man that had that, that two-step pattern. It was running towards me. I was like, that's, that's weird. So uh, I, I kind of sat there, let's do it for a second, and it kept getting closer and closer. And I was like, huh, that's got to be a deer. I'm just psyching myself out because I'm all alone back here. And uh, on the way to that spot, it's like there was no other vehicle parked back there. Nothing. I drove, I drove all around the spot before I ended up parking there. And uh, I didn't see a vehicle anywhere around. So that's, and it's like hard to access other than that. And um, I, I'm walking back towards, uh, I guess, like a little split in the trail. And the, what I heard, the thing running was on top of a ridge, like above me. And it keeps getting closer and closer. And I'm like, it's got to be a deer. Or maybe it's a coyote and I'm, it heard me. It's coming towards me or something. So I just start walking back towards the, the trucks. I didn't hear any turkeys. And uh, it keeps getting closer and closer. I'm like, that's definitely a man. Like that's a that's a human. That's not a deer or a dog or that's not, that's not anything else. So I sat there and waited for it. Well, it got right there to the top and just stopped. Like it got within 100 yards. I could never see it and just stopped. Never made another noise. I was like, man, that's weird. I'm getting out of here. Next morning, we go back in there because I, I knew there had to be a turkey back there in that creek bottom. Next morning, me and Spoonie go back in there, and we pop up on that same little ridge where that, that thing was running. And in the dark, Spoonie's in front of me. In the dark, we walk through this thick stuff on top of that ridge. And he looks up, and he goes, hey, there's a tent. I said, what? I look out in front of him, and I got this gut-wrenching feel in my stomach. And I looked up, and it was just a, like a hidden tent in this stuff. And I was like, what in the heck? So I, we turned our lights off and got out of town. We still went hunting back in there, but it, we, we got way away from that tent. I don't know if that was like a, a criminal runaway or somebody that just didn't want to be found, but 
that was one of my most memorable times in the woods. That's pro- scared the mess out of me. That's got the hair standing up on my back. Like, yeah, just, yeah. <laughs> just thinking about if that was me, I'd uh, my oh, safety would have been off. Oh, it did. I'd, I mean, I'll, I'll finger on like the trigger, ready to just complete kaplowy somebody with a shotgun. You're a mile and a half back. It's okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we were. He didn't understand what was going on because I didn't tell him like that night. I didn't want to tell him and him be like, "Oh, you chicken." So I didn't say anything about it. But when we got back that next morning and we found that, I just grabbed, like I grabbed his shoulder and we started, I started pushing him around it. And I told him, turn the light off. Don't say a word. And we got all the way around it. We made it a few hundred yards away from it. And I finally told him and he was like, dude, why didn't you tell me that earlier? I was like, cause I wasn't going to get shot up there. <laughs> <laughs> oh Lord. Oh God. That's like, oh. All right, now I'm going to be drawing down on somebody in my dream again tonight. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I've not had something quite like that, but I've run into a few people. I don't know if they're, I don't think they're just through hikers, but I ran into a fellow down in Triple N one time. Um, I was pulling out and there was a guy walking and he, he didn't have a gun, right? And he's alone. And I'm way back by where the, there's a there's an old trailer out there with a guy who's got a sign on there who's pissed off about some, something happened to him right on the edge of the triple end. So you're, you're, you're way away from 192. And the guy's out there walking, and I offered him a ride. I thought maybe he was broke down or something like that. And I said, hey, man, you need a ride? And he just kind of paused and looked at me. I realized, I was like, do you need a ride? And he was, No. And then I kind of looked him up and down, and I'm like, this fellow's been out here a while. And I and I, I don't know if he was a thru-hiker, but he had a backpack on him, and he was, he was definitely camping, right? right. And when I put it all together, because at first you see a guy walking out there, and you know, just walk, you figure that he's broke down, and it was just one of those weird things. And all of a sudden, but then the more I looked at him, I'm like, my brother's... He's checked out of society for a while, man. And you, and you know, and when you're alone out there, even though I was in a truck, you're like, I, I, I can't believe I offered that fellow a ride, man. Because if he had, if I, if he had said yes, and then I really got a good look at him, I'm like, uh, nope, <laughs> you know, I'm gone. So to give you a little, a little context to that that dream story, Jim, we took Rowan camping for the first time last weekend. We did a little squirrel hunting. Nice. Well, Saturday night, at some point, I'm laying in that tent and I'm having a dream that I have my gun drawn on someone and I'm trying to say, I'm going to kill you. And I don't remember why I had my gun, certainly for a good reason, I'm sure. And I'm trying to say, I'm going to kill you. I'm going to, but I couldn't get the words out in my dream. And finally I sat up in my sleeping bag and I said, I'm going to kill you. Yeah. <laughs> Rylan goes, what dad? <laughs> so, so from my perspective, I'm asleep, and the next thing I know, he's like rustling around, and all he hears, ah, ah, ah. and then he says, I'm going to kill you. I'm going to kill you. And then Rylan's like, Dad? I'm like, he's talking in his sleep. And he's like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Poor kid, terrified, I'm sure, after that, the rest of the night. Yeah, because he was totally convinced that a bear was going to come, like, eat us out of the tent or something like that. <laughs> Rylan is my son. He's six years old. Yeah. So, yeah. and I just, I had just, and just went yeah. camping for the last time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I just bought uh, this sweet little like uh, public land 
we call it our public land rig. It's a uh, a rooftop tent, but it's mounted on top of uh It's a hitch top tent. Well, yeah. But the tent itself is a rooftop tent. And then it's mounted on top of a like toolbox, like the side side toolbox that would go on a flatbed. It's mounted on top of that. And then there's a, a hitch receiver underneath it. And then there's some like legs that come off of it and stuff that you can flip down and jack up. So we can go somewhere, park, pull it out of the hitch. Because it, it, I carry it around in the hitch in my truck. Pull it out of the hitch, roll the wheels down, set it up, level it. And then we're sleeping in a rooftop tent that's only like three feet off the ground. For those that listen and want to check it out, what's what's the brand? Hitchtop Tents. Yeah, it's called Hitchtop Tents. Uh, Hitchtop Tents. Yeah. More free advertising. My, yeah, their new ones are like, the new tents probably sit four or five foot above the box now. So mine is literally mounted to the top of the box. The newer ones are tall enough that you could walk underneath of it and stuff now. So they sit about the height of a rooftop tent, but they still mount to the hitch. That looks like a pretty jam-up setup. It sleeps it pretty good, yeah. Yeah. I mean, we slept in it for three nights in Georgia, and then... Yeah, three nights in Georgia and one night. Last weekend, it was 27 degrees last weekend, and we were plenty warming up inside there. Yeah. How many full-grown adults will it sleep comfortably? Three. Well, <clears throat> how many does it tell you, or how many did we sleep in there? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a two-man tent. We put three grown men in it, and we slept just fine. All right, yeah. You stacked up like cordwood, but... Uh, wasn't too I bad. Mean, it yeah, was, it was stacked too bad. Me, Jordan, and AJ, so smaller logs than a big log. Yeah. <laughs> so you, you, me, and you, yeah. <laughs> the three of us probably wouldn't really do so well. No, me, you, and Easton would yeah. not fit no. in that yeah. together. No, no. We, uh, we did last, yeah, last weekend. It was me, William, Rylan, and Bell. So I'm just finding there. So three, two, two grown men, a kid, and a dog. Yeah. But it's got a nice padded bottom on it. You know, it's not bad at all. Nice. <clears throat> so what's your, your, uh, that was your what most memorable? Yeah, that was yeah, that was my most memorable. Uh, I guess hunting experience. Um, and so the hang other on, before one, we, I would, before we move on from that, how often do you dream about that? Uh, not really anymore. But that <laughs> night was pretty. He is, <laughs> he is tonight. <laughs> yeah, tonight he is. <laughs> I'm gonna dream about it tonight. <laughs> well, I told uh, I told Josh when we were back there. I was like, after because we continued on turkey hunt way back in there we went further back into that block because we got on a turkey and um we spent uh i think it was like in alabama i think it closed down at one so we spent like till like twelve thirty going after this turkey and never never ended up getting him so we were like okay we're leaving today and heading back home so let's let's go ahead and head back and i told him i was like and when we get back i don't expect the truck to be there <laughs> like, <he's gone. laughs> or the tires are flat and he's waiting on us that's all i gotta say yeah did you walk past the tent again on the way out? We did, and we walked. We walked past with guns loaded, and eyes peeled. <laughs> Clearly <laughs> occupied, though, not abandoned. It. We weren't sure. Uh, so actually, this is going to get funnier. Josh decides he talks me into going to look at the tent again on the way back, and I was like, "Dude, I don't. I really. I got a bad feeling about it. I don't want to go look. Like he obviously knows we're here. If I was sleeping in that tent and two people walked up on me." With flashlights on the tent, I said, I, I would have known. And he's like, yeah. And he said, but what if 
what if like there's a kid abducted in there? I was like, there's not a kid abducted in there. I know it. He's like, but there could be. And wouldn't you feel bad if if you walked out and then you heard about it later? I was like, yeah, I feel bad, but I I feel worse if I walked up there and looked at that tent. But anyway, <laughs> he convinced me to go up there. So we walked back up there to look at this tent. And it looked like it was old, but it looked like a bug out tent. Like it's not an academy tent. It's like a little teepee tent. And it's it's camouflaged. It was it was a tan color. It was in tan brush with stuff all around it, deadfall all around it. And we, we called out to it to see if there's anybody in there, which I thought was a stupid idea, but we did. And uh, nobody answered. And I was like, all right, dude, let's get out of here. All right, all right we got to go. But Somebody's it looked like going, it had been. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> it, was, it was bad. What you don't know is that they were running because they thought they were just fixing to get ate by a coyote. Probably. <laughs> That's what it was. Yeah. They were scared to death. They got out of Dodge. Yeah. He was like, that was pretty messed up. Blair Witch Project. <laughs> yeah. All yeah. right. On to, the, on to the next story. I'm already going to have enough nightmares from that tonight. <laughs> uh, I, I guess my favorite hunt uh, is going to be this year, this past turkey season, uh, me and dad went to wisconsin dad's never been out of state turkey hunting and i'd just gone to alabama um we put in for a turkey hunt where uh, i was an intern with when i was an intern with tethered we were there and we literally saw hundreds and hundreds of turkeys and i was like i'm going back there's no way i'm getting around it i'm going back to this place so uh i convinced dad to go with me and we went up there and uh it was it was like i think it was a five-day hunt and the first day or so it was raining so we did i mean we tried to get out and go but it was I had video equipment and I was trying to video everything. So I, I didn't really like, want to get out in the hard rain. The first day was unsuccessful. And then the second day I, I killed one, but that's not, that wasn't the special hunt. The special hunt was, uh, after I killed mine, I was done. That was all, I only had one tag on that place we were at. So we went to the next morning we went out and I already roosted a bird for dad. And he didn't know I roosted the bird for him because he was in another spot trying to roost one. Uh, we reached the, I reached the bird for him, got back, told him where it was at. He was like, tell me, this is a stupid idea to go after him. Like, like how you want to. And I was like, I think we'll kill him though. Anyway, uh, we went in that morning and my dad has got the worst hearing. And if he listens to this podcast, he's going to laugh. But he, we will be standing in the woods and a turkey will gobble in the morning and we point the opposite direction every, every morning. <laughs> and it's, it's every time it's where I'm saying it is. So, uh, that morning was the same thing. He was saying that that turkey was, oh, he said it was in the right spot. He had the right spot, but he thought it was way closer than it actually was. It was a little further away. So I kept making him go further and further and closer to it. And he was getting, he was getting heated and mad at me because he thought we were going to bust it off the limb. Um, but he eventually went down to where I was trying to get him to go. And I, I wrapped around the hill and I, I caught up a turkey for him. And that was, that was probably one of the most special. I didn't get to see any of it. I could just see where he was at. But just just working that turkey in for him was it was special to me. Absolutely, that's awesome, man. Yeah, I, I don't think you can really beat some some hunt and getting to hunt with your family like that. No, it's it's super special, especially because he taught me everything I know about deer hunting. So like getting to learn turkey hunting with him instead of like him teaching me, it's that's just super cool. And then eventually calling one up for him, I I, I couldn't beat it. Yeah, that's uh, we we've told the story 
several times on the podcast. That was like the the deer that William killed this year. Um, we were fairly close friends before he joined the army, and then you're gone for what eight years? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was gone for eight years. So I just pretty much hunted by myself. If I you know if I hunted down here publicland or anything, I hunted by myself, or I hunted with uh, my dad at, on the lease in Georgia some. And uh, so this year was our first year really hunting together again. I kind of scouted a spot out halfway because by the time I had got the spot that we were hunting, I had to use my boat to get to. So by the time I had gotten home from work, got the boat, got to the ramp, and got to where I needed to scout, I had like 30 minutes to try and find something. And uh, But we ended up jumping a buck. Dropped our climbers right there where we jumped it. Didn't hunt the next day, which would have been Saturday. And then uh, came back Sunday, and that buck came out at, what, 7.30? Maybe. Yeah. And William shot it, and I was like, God. like It was already emotional then, but having walked up on that buck, I I literally started bawling. The only reason y'all went back was to get your stand. It was. <laughs> Thank God we left him on the tree because I would not have got out of bed uh, Sunday morning had I not. It would, we didn't hunt Saturday because we were going to do. I went. I took my son to uh, Monster Jam, and uh, Jordan's boat notoriously breaks down when it's most needed to get you somewhere. So I didn't want to risk it breaking down trying to get me back to the ramp. You know, after the hunt Saturday, and, and my son missing out on the Monster Jam. So, but we left our climbers and had I not left those after getting home at 11 o'clock and having to wake up at like two fifty in the morning to get to the spot in and up with, you know, before daylight, I woke up and I just rolled out of bed and I sat there on the edge of the bed and I'm like, God dang it. I really don't want to go to the woods this morning. I am exhausted. And I'm like, but I got to go get my dang climber. I should have took it out of the tree. <laughs> <laughs> what i got down the other day but thankfully i didn't rolled back out there and shot that deer yeah that was a good public land buck too yeah it's the only the only deer that got killed this year by us you, yeah. make, you make fun of me for not seeing no that jim one. shot a doe you shot a doe yeah oh, okay i'll yeah. try you yeah on, on uh the Seminole forest hunt you drew I did, and it was the one that you were supposed to go on, but then backed out on me at the last minute. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was your doe tag, man, as far as I was concerned. What did that? You messed out on two deer this year. You smelled one. Yeah. You're talking like that. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Easton, Easton put William in the spot for a buck that he knew was traveling through the area. And uh, William sat in the wrong put, tree. Put me in the spot is a rough, yeah. very rough. William sat there. in the wrong tree uh, and saw possibly a small flash of it and smelled it, but never saw where Easton knew it was crossing at. I said, I said this right here. I said, William, look down both of these roads. And Sit I on this corner, see, look down both of these you. roads, and you're going you're gonna to see something. He sits where he can only see down one road. I could see down both of them. 10 feet down the other one. And the deer came out, what, 65 yards down there? Right right where I said he was going to come through at. Straight line there and everything. And then, you know, he gets down and sniffs as he's walking back to the truck. And sure enough, guess what? He crossed right there. I tell you. Put you on the deer. Yeah, yeah. 
You can lead a horse to water, but you can't force it to drink. I know. I try my best. <laughs> Y'all got any closing thoughts? Let's go ahead and wrap this up before it gets any deeper into the manure in here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Ain't nobody got their boots on but Easton. Yeah. <laughs> you ain't closing thoughts, Jordan? Don't give up. Oh, man. That's all you I should, got, man. You should have left that one for Dane Caden. Stole it. Yeah. That's that's some that's some serious perseverance to push through that and and not kill a deer. Not even like shoot at and miss a deer. That's some serious perseverance. I give you some props for that. Yep. I uh I'm still been going here lately, but it's been it's getting harder and harder to keep going. Oh, I, I, I ain't gonna lie. I'm sure it does. <laughs> Man, when you break that slump, though, it's gonna be the greatest deer of all time, even if it's a raghorn or a doe or something like that. Just that's the whole point of hunting, you know. Man, if you if yeah. it ain't grocery shopping, if you knew you were gonna have success every time you went out, stop going. Yeah, it wouldn't be as fun then. It's called hunting, not killing. Yeah. Well, gentlemen, if nobody else got any closing thoughts, we'll go ahead and close this up. Caden, I, I, well, let me give you a chance to give you one real quick. You, you got any closing thoughts? Um, I'm look forward to turkey season. That's all I can say. <laughs> He's yeah. a turkey hunter for sure. <laughs> so, Caden, I, I really thank you for joining us. And <clears throat> before we let you go, how can people find you? Uh, y'all can find me on Instagram, uh, Caden underscore Starnes underscore, or um, I even got a YouTube channel. It's just Caden Starnes. Y'all can find me at both of those places. You putting up hunting stuff there too? Yes, I'm. I'm about to start when turkey season starts. I'm gonna be trying to get out content. You, you yeah. might want to spell Caden Starnes, otherwise you could have guys spelling K A I D E N S T R. That's yeah. true. Uh, C A D E N. Starnes is S-T-A-R-N-E-S. There you go. And you can go back and watch him not kill anything on the Tagged Out Tour. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you do get to see him eat 2.2 pounds of ice cream. I say, but like, evidently the man can eat some ice cream. so He sure can. <laughs> twist, twist the knife, man. Caden, <laughs> 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 oh, I thank you for joining us, and we'll catch you guys next week. Adios. <laughs>